0: Our gospel reading for this morning comes from Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Listen to the word of the Lord. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without wearing a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to, you, to you, O Christ. Christ. Since this pandemic began seven months ago, I've found myself more irritable and angry than I normally am. And at first, when it started happening, I thought to myself, well, give yourself a break, Joel. This is unlike anything we've ever seen before. Don't be so hard on yourself. But the more it happened the less willing I've been to excuse my behavior. Because the circumstances can change, but the one thing that stays the same is me and my reactions. I'm the one constant through all of it. And so I've decided I'm done making excuses for myself. It's time to call a thing what it is. I wonder if any of you have had either family members or or maybe someone that you've worked with where the pattern has been to excuse bad behavior. Well, you know how dad gets after work. You shouldn't have spoken in that tone. Well, you, you know how mom can be. She just says those things out of love. Well, sure, Mark has a temper, but he works hard and he expects others to do the same. Does any of that sound familiar to you? Now, I'm all for showing compassion to oneself and others. I'm all for forgiveness. But what I can't do anymore is excuse bad behavior in myself and others, and certainly not in God. When I read this parable earlier this week, I was really tempted to preach on the Isaiah passage and just leave this one aside. This, as far as I'm concerned, is Jesus' most difficult parable to understand. And most commentators go to great lengths trying to excuse the bad behavior of this king. Because if there's one thing we know about Jesus' parables, it's that a rich king must be a stand-in for God. And so we go through these mental gymnastics to how the real bad guys in the story were the people who refused coming to the wedding banquet. And and the king is therefore justified in burning the city to the ground. Or, Or we hear how the real culprit is that guy at the end who's not wearing the right clothing. But the more I read those commentaries this week, the more it just felt all too familiar. This is exactly the kind of thing I do to excuse my own bad behavior. Shouldn't we expect something better? From God? I'll run you through kind of the standard interpretation of this parable. Jesus is telling the last of three parables in his confrontation with the chief priests and the elders at the temple. Remember, all of this is taking place after Palm Sunday, where Jesus is occupying a, a people's movement in the temple. That's why I've entitled the series God's Politics. Because in Israel, there was no separation of church and state. And so when, Israel, when Jesus has a confrontation with Israel's religious leaders, this is a political debate. They're, they're arguing about who speaks with God's authority, and Jesus answers them through three parables. Two weeks ago, we saw the parable of the two sons, where Jesus implored the religious leaders to consider that they may, in fact, be wrong. And the second parable that we looked at last week, the parable of the tenant farmers, we saw a story of divine vulnerability in the face of human violence. And now we hear the grand finale, Grand finale, the parable of the wedding banquet. Jesus tells us about a king who had a wedding banquet for his son. So he sends out his slaves to invite his rich friends. But they scorn the king's invites, saying, No thanks, no time. And they seize his slaves, and they mistreat them and kill them. And this makes the king very, very angry. His ego is so hurt at being snubbed by his rich friends that he says, Kill my slaves, will you? Well, I'll kill you instead and burn your city to the ground. And that's exactly what he does. But undeterred that his wedding plans not take place, he tells his slaves, go to the city, presumably the one that I just burnt to the ground, and make sure that you fill up the wedding hall because we need to make sure that this wedding still goes the way I planned. And so they go through the smoldering city streets to find anyone they can to attend this wedding. Now, who is going to say no to this king after they saw what he does to people who disagree with him? See, what appears to be most important in this parable is that the king insists on getting exactly what he wants. And so they fill the wedding hall and things are going fine, until the king sees that there's someone there who's not wearing the right outfit. Well, stop everything. Cut the music. The king confronts this guy and says, "Friend, how did you get in here dressed like that?" Notice that the king calls him friend. That's really important. We'll we'll come back to that later. The guy is speechless. And the king has him tied up and thrown out into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Many are called, few are chosen. Whatever this story is, it sure doesn't sound like good news, does it? And if this king is supposed to somehow represent God, well then we're just going to need a better God, aren't we? In pulpits all over the world today, preachers are busy making excuses for this king's bad behavior. They're saying things like, well, when you think about it, everyone deserves God's wrath. So the fact that God welcomes in anyone, that's the real miracle. Or they'll say things like, well, that that wedding robe, that represents Christ's righteousness And so by not wearing it, that guy was attempting to stand before God on his own merits instead of trusting in Jesus. Or maybe the really astute ones will say, well, we have to remember that Matthew's gospel was written to a people who had just been traumatized by the destruction of Jerusalem. And so this story comes out of that trauma. Well, if any of those explanations sound like good news to you, have at it. To me, this sounds like the kind of excuses that I make for myself when I lose my temper. This is how I act, how I behave. Shouldn't we expect more from God? So let me offer you another angle on this parable. One that you probably haven't considered before. What if the king doesn't represent God at all? What if the king represents how People typically respond to bruised egos and threats to their power. What if this king represents someone more like Herod, who is known for this kind of erratic violence? And what if Jesus is inviting us to something better? Jesus begins by saying, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who throws a wedding banquet. Well, comparisons can note similarities and dissimilarities. Perhaps this parable is meant to illustrate how God's kingdom contrasts with earthly kingdoms. Maybe it's an illustration of what not to do. I, I like that idea. But I still think we need something more. Is there any good news in this story other than telling us what not to do? Well, consider that poor chap who isn't wearing the wedding garments. What if he's not meant to be an example of smug ingratitude? What if he is someone who is resisting the kingdom of violence? See, the king has already killed those who have disrespected him. Who would possibly disrespect him now? you'd have to either be incredibly stupid or courageously subversive. What if the man without the wedding garment wanted to send a message to that king and to everyone else there that day that he would not fall in line with this regime? See, others may be afraid of you and play along with your little charade, but I will not. I see who you are, and I do not excuse what you've done. Now, of course, none of this is spoken. When confronted by the king, the man is speechless, and then he's bound up and thrown into the outer darkness. Well, consider this. Jesus tells this story on the Monday of Holy Week, and he's telling it to the chief priests and the elders Well, in the middle of the night, on Thursday of Holy Week, Jesus is met by a mob sent by those same chief priests and elders. And that mob is led by Jesus' disciple, Judas. And Jesus, when he sees Judas, will refer to him as friend. Just like the king did in the parable with this silent resistor. But unlike the king in the parable, Jesus does not respond with violence. See, they will bind him, and they would throw him into the outer darkness. They would arrest him. And Matthew is the only gospel that points out on three separate occasions that in the face of his accusers, Jesus remained speechless. Jesus does the opposite of what the violent king does in this parable. He meets violence with silence. And thus holds up a mirror for all to see. Saying, I see who you are. And I do not excuse what you've done. Instead, I'll take your violence into my body. And send back blessing instead. See, in this parable, we do not see the grace of God in a violent, capricious king for whom we all must make excuses. We see the grace of God in this speechless resister who was the chosen one. See, many are called, but few are chosen, Jesus says. See, the truth is that God calls all of us to this kind of non-violent resistance in the face of a brutal empire, in the face of our own violent tendencies. Many are called, but few actually choose this path. Most of us, like the disciples, will take a safe route and opt to save our own skin. But Jesus is the chosen one who, for our sakes did not take the safe route, but instead stood courageously in the face of the bullies of the world whose speechless resistance shows us a path to a world without violence, a world where even betrayers can be called friend. I am done making excuses for myself, for others. And I will not hold God to a lower standard than that. We're going to need a better God than that. And Jesus reveals to us the God who, in the face of all of our bruised egos and excuses, in the face of all of our anger and violence, does not respond to us in kind. In Jesus Christ, we meet the God who, despite our bad behavior, still Calls us friend. And when you see that kind of grace, you're left speechless. Amen.